Hi there, I'm Kathy Valentin, and this is the Good, the God, and the Ugly podcast, where we're talking about the good, the God, and the ugly moments of life. Life is just full of ups and downs, but there's a treasure to be found in every challenge. Join me as I talk with people that have impacted my life, those who have found a treasure in a challenge, or whom simply I just love and want you to meet. Okay, thank you everybody for joining us on our podcast today. And I have with me Haley Braun, and Haley is a wonderful, wonderful woman. She's been like a daughter to me for years. Um, We're going to be talking about the good, the God, and the ugly of worship. How can worship be ugly? That sounds like... I think probably only us. (laughs) Like, if there's anything that's going to be not the greatest, it will be our, our, maybe our negative attitude or our looking at ourselves instead of at him and... But I mean, he still thinks that's beautiful because he loves all of us. But I'd say that's probably the only place. Yes, that's Definitely not God. <laughs> that's probably, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Haley, everybody knows you as a prophet and a pastor here at Bethel. You pastor BSSM online now. You'd been with Second Year for quite a while. For 10 years. 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow, does time fly? Oh, yeah. I've too been, quickly. Too quickly. I'm in my 14th year of being here in Reading. Ah, crazy i feel old <laughs> <laughs> seems like just yesterday when you're arriving here it's so crazy so um but you have a beautiful heart for worship and you always have mm. and so tell me a little bit about your worship experience and how that happened yeah so um my mom was the worship pastor of our church really in, yeah in south africa methodist church i mean she introduced guitars and drums and bass guitar to our Methodist church. So it was kind of a slow drip, you know, kind of went from an organ to the piano and the organ and then um, guitar. And so I kind of watched my mom slowly um, kind of change the landscape of worship within our church. And I remember having all these vineyard um, CDs playing. When we used to play CDs. Um, First cassette tapes, that's how it started. And then – so from a young age, I remember learning about worship. I remember going to children's worship workshops. Um, and then I'm the youngest of three children and all of us play a few instruments and all led worship in our church. I started singing on the worship team at 13 and started leading worship at 16. Um, and so I've always loved, but, you know, I actually thinking about it now, I got saved when I was three. And I was listening to Salty, the singing songbook, which is obviously all about worship too. And mm-hmm. I remember him crying. That's what really moved my heart as a three-year-old. And he said, you can sing and sing until you're blue in the face. But if it's not from your heart, it's not praise. And um, I actually remember the first worship set I was ever supposed to sing in. I chose, I went to practice and I chose not to sing because I felt like I was too conscious of how I sounded. And I'd remembered that promise I'd made to the Lord when I was wow. three. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready to, to do this yet. Um, that's something that an adult doesn't even do. I mean, the, the, the thinking that process through and you did that at age three. Well, at 13, oh, at was, 13. So at three, I gave my heart to Jesus, but I made this promise that I would never sing from, like, I would never sing a song that wasn't from my heart to God. Wow. And at 13, I remember in practice, just feeling like I can't even think about God right now. I'm just trying to make sure I sing the harmonies right. And and I was just, I remember saying to my mom, who's the worship pastor, I just don't think I'm, I can do it today. I think I just needed practice and I need to. So yeah, at 13. And then obviously I came here and 
what you guys wouldn't know is Kathy was the worship pastor <laughs> over first year. And so I ended up a worship leader. You're telling my secrets. Yeah. I remember being a worship leader at BSSM and Kathy was the one that actually taught me all about prophetic worship, all about moving and flowing with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I used to watch Kathy and my husband lead together <laughs> way back when, 13, 12, 13 years ago. And um, Kathy is I mean, a real worship has such a gift of worship on her life. I remember hearing stories about you and renewal at the keys, just getting oh. so touched by the Holy Spirit that you ended up under the keys. <clears throat> on um, top of the keys. On top of the on keys. On top of the keys. And the Holy Spirit just hit me and and I just I just lost it. I was I can't remember if I was leading or if I was just part of the band, but whatever part it was, I ended up toppling over the top of the keyboard in my boobs hit the keys oh, no. and everything was playing and and I'm yes. laughing and laughing and laughing and I'm trying to hit the off switch and I'm hitting the keyboard and that Pastor Bill amazing. comes over and just boop pushes the, the off button and oh that was kind of the beginning of a new chapter in my life wow. in the Holy Spirit so beautiful yeah I think that's one thing for me you know when we talk about worship and I think about you, Mama Kathy. I call her Mama Kathy because she's a mom to me. But um, I think, you know, a lot of people, we, you know, you want excellence and you want um, you want to have that, like, heart to bring your craft and skill. But I think there's another beautiful part, which is faithfulness. And uh, when I look at your life, just the faithfulness for you to steward that heart of worship from Weaverville days through coming to Bethel, through renewal and then being able to sit under your covering as a pastor and a mom. Um, I just remember so much performance getting broken off of me, being under you. Oh, wow. Um, Thank and you. I think that's that worship isn't a performance. It's ministry to an audience of one. And receiving that from you, coming to a place of such excellence, but learning that like lifting the name of Jesus and ushering in the presence of God is the most valuable thing. I could do it just broke off so much performance and fear of failure. And mm. I'm just really grateful for that in you teaching me that about worship. We yeah. were always one that would take a risk. You're still one that would take a risk. <laughs> Everywhere yes. you go, the Holy Spirit follows Haley around mm. because she's just like a magnet for what God's doing. Oh. And you're so soft and you're so tender and your your love for him. It's amazing. So can you share a time or a moment in worship where everything changed for you? Oh, man. When I was specifically leading or just in the in the crowd? Just, it doesn't matter. Maybe both. Oh, um, you know, I, I remember one time, I mean, I've had some really significant encounters with the Lord. Um, and I remember once I was, so we have three children. Now I've got a six-year-old, a nearly four-year-old, and a nearly one-year-old. And my second little one was born. Uh, when After she was born, we found out she had Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't – I think a lot of people, they try and imagine what it would be like. And I don't – it's not a wrestle in the same way as I think you would imagine. The wrestle is was for me was just um, – it was something was like how do I – make sure that everything that she was, that she's purposed to be as a mom, how do mm -hmm. I bring forth the, the strength in her and develop the weakness? And, you know, as moms, you just want to be awesome for your kids. And I was yeah. in worship and I felt like I'd been in a warring season, like believing for breakthrough for Libby. And we've seen so much breakthrough for her, but um, I was in worship. It was at school, the prophets. And 
someone on the stage was painting a lion and they were singing about joy. And all of a sudden, I felt Jesus standing right in front of me in this moment of singing about joy. And I felt Jesus speak to my heart and say, you've been warring, but joy is your strength. Wow. And um, he's like, it's time to celebrate. Yeah. And I just remember feeling like he was inviting me to put my forehead on his forehead. And I remember feeling like I couldn't lean forward because I could feel this like holiness and fire in front of me. And eventually I remember I was able to put the top of my head on what I felt like was Jesus' forehead. And I remember him lifting my chin in this moment, the room was celebrating. You could feel. And he started roaring into, wow. into my mouth. Like I, it was, I mean, obviously it's a very intimate picture, but, but it was like you, and the roar was laughter. It was like delight. And it was, I could feel it was victory. It was like, the like joy being victory and it it literally changed um took me out of a season of battle into a season of celebration mm. and celebrating the victory of god and um you know i think you know worship always brings right perspective mm-hmm. and uh, it just it shifted you know i'm i'm a warrior by nature i think I, i'm happy to fight for things I, I i the thought of laying down my life for the people i love is you know, I feel inspired to do that. But I think sometimes joy is something I can forget. And the Holy Spirit is full of joy. It's righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I, that was a really significant moment for me in worship. Wow. I remember my time in worship here at Bethel. And the Lord was doing all kinds of, this, you know, signs that make you wonder with me. <laughs> I mean, I'd been, I'd been in the sanctuary and felt like I'd gotten hit by a baseball and turned around and there wasn't anybody there. And I asked Chris, who? Who threw something at me? And it's like nobody. And like, no, somebody threw something at me. Something hit me. It was, honey, there was nobody. And just down I went, just like that. It was like the Holy Spirit was just speaking all these things to me. And probably about a month later, I was leading worship and we didn't have in ears. We had this, the monitors, you know, in front of us on the floor, the big boxes. Absolutely, none of those. And it was leading worship. And all of a sudden, this huge rushing wind came out of the monitor and hit me in the face. And I almost went down again. It was like, oh my gosh, it was like this breeze that that just kind of washed over me. And it it took it took me to another level in God. And the, you know, you kind of wonder if you're a lone island at that time or yeah. if everybody else is feeling what you're feeling. So then now you're your purpose with stewarding what you're feeling on the yeah. stage and being able to lead from that point of, I've just had an encounter with God, with the living God that was so unique to me. Have you had that kind of experience leading worship before? Yes. So absolutely. what did you do? I mean, even this last Sunday, we doing this <laughs> prayer and worship night and I'm asked to speak. Um, but I walk up on stage and all of a sudden I feel like there's more. So I started leading worship with Peter Mattis. We start singing out before I speak. It's it's kind of more of a free flow service. Mm-hmm. And the power of God starts hitting me on stage and starts touching Pete. Um, like Pete ends up on the floor later just wailing and he's leading worship. And wow. um and it's it's so interesting. He was actually sharing. It's so funny. He was sharing with our staff how he knew for a time he had to almost just keep going 
um, like he had to lead, he had to kind of like pull out a little bit of what God was doing so he could lead. And then I, I felt like a shift. And so I came in and I started leading people in hunger and desire because I could feel that's what the Lord is making mm-hmm. himself available to. And I think that's so important is that when, when we are leading, there are moments where I think we can just pull out and God can touch us and someone else can take it. And there's other moments where God is touching you to actually bring birth something in a room, to bring something mm-hmm. um, f- like further. And um, I was trying to ask the Holy Spirit because obviously I'm feeling his fire on me um, and I'm aware his fire is touching people, but I can feel that there's a percentage of the room that is hungry and wanting wanting it, but not really sure where to go from there. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the moments where we either lead out it's in prophetic song mm-hmm. um, and, or uh, maybe a pastor comes up and just communicates, this is what's happening in the room and this is how to connect. But I think as worship leaders, our primary role is to go, okay, God, you're doing something. How do I translate this in song? What is the right response for us that will mm-hmm. bring increase? Um, so, yeah, on Sunday, it was, I mean, it was powerful. I remember we <coughs> eventually I stepped in and Peter just laid on the floor. And then like once I started speaking and then he just started wailing behind me, but he was holding it together, mm-hmm. trying to lead the people Um that's when it's so nice to have a co-pastor or a co-leader. Absolutely. Instead of being by yourself. You know, I think that's something even in worship is, you know, Lucifer, the lead worshiper in the angel armies, you know, his desire for attention on himself was really the, you know, he wanted to be like God. Mm-hmm. And I think that can, that's something so important for us as worshipers, as leaders to realize that, Actually, it's not about our moment. Mm-hmm. It's about working together as a collective. Like this is about revealing God. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's something I've learned so much here mm-hmm. is it's not on one person. There's a team no, of it's people. Not. It's not. And it gives you a, a perspective to be able to step back when you're on that stage and you're not the one that's leading worship to kind of feel the room and sense where the, the room is at. Yeah. Because that's really important. It's really important to be able to lead the room and the people at a pace that's going to keep everybody together. Yes. You're always going to have some stragglers that are just, you know, I've never experienced anything like this. I don't believe this and on and on and on. And then you have other people on the other side of the spectrum where it's like, this is what they live for. Yes. Just the touch and the presence of the Holy Spirit and being able to take that room and lead it as a whole group sometimes, um, is can be a challenge. Yes. Especially if you, you know, maybe you had a hard day or a hard morning with your kids or something happened at work and you just came to a Friday service right after work. Totally. And and now all of a sudden you're pushed, you're put into a place of, and I've got to lead all these people into the throne room of God. And it's, yeah. You know, I could even feel on Sunday, there's like the weighty presence of God in the room. But it almost like you need, we needed to gather the people mm-hmm. together. And so I just started singing an old vineyard song. Um, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. I love bringing back those old songs. You know, I love the new songs that are being written now. They're amazing. This might sound weird, but most of them don't capture my heart in a place where I can just abandon the screen. I don't have to look at the words on the screen. Mm-hmm. To be able to worship, it's all coming from my heart yeah. and my the few words that we're singing in the simple chorus. And I think that like bringing that simple chorus, one, it's known by probably majority of the oh, room. Oh, yeah. 
And then also like lifting God up to see him high and lifted up. Like when we lift him up, we take our eyes off of us. And when our eyes are on us, everybody's having a different, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone's a different stage of life that came from a different house, Mm -hmm. a different job. But when we lift, when we all lift him up, we're looking at one thing, one God. Mm -hmm. But it was like the knownness of the song and the kind of the focus of the song. You could feel the room gathered in one heart, one mind. Exactly. And and they feel like I'm a part of this. You know, the congregational feel like I can contribute to this because I know this song. Yes, absolutely. And I've sang it time after time after time. It's just I love bringing back the old songs. I think it's very, and I think God breathes sometimes on those kind of old songs and pulls them back in. I woke up the other morning with a song I don't think I've ever heard. And it was this, and I found it was a song from Brownsville Revival, but I had to go to my husband. It was, I see the Lord and his train fills the temple. Yeah, we cry, holy. Holy is the Lord. And I was saying to you, you hadn't heard that song before? I hadn't, I didn't grow up in revival culture. Oh, wow. And I I said to Ryan, I said, what is this song? I got, I thought it said the fragrance fills the temple. I didn't even know. I'm like, what is this song? And, um, and he got on the piano and he was so excited to like, cause he grew up in the Brownsville kind of time. His parents, he went to Brownsville and, but I felt like it was the Lord reminding me, like, I felt like he was saying, I'm bringing this the beauty of Brownsville Revival, the awe, the holiness of God into what I'm doing now, which is we've established like the goodness of God, yeah. um, his kindness. Because I think that that's only just recently kind of been a message over the last 20 years. You're a saint, you're not a sinner. God is good. His heart is for you. And it feels like he's, the Lord's almost breathing again on these holy these songs that we sing about his holiness and his worthiness. How about coming back to the heart of oh. worship? It just, oh. Where it's all about you. I feel like that song never gets old. It doesn't. Ever. It's timeless. It's, yeah, exactly. Time. It's, it's just like here I am to worship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Pastor Bill would always sing in my life, Lord, be glorified. Mm. That's a salty song as well. Me and Salty were buds. Yeah. We're buds. I sung that. I remember seeing that in church as a 10-year-old. I did, a, did an item piece in our Methodist church, and I sung that song. Beautiful. Wow. Mm. What's been some of the biggest challenges for you in leading worship? Getting out of a perfectionism mentality. Mm, Yeah. I remember once walking off the stage in first year and just feeling like I didn't do a very good job and just analyzing and feeling like I didn't sing very well and, you know, just all the things. And and the Lord speaks quite straight to me. It's probably because I'm South African, but um, (laughs) – But I remember him saying, makes me wonder who worship is about when you think like this. Mm. And I was like, because I remember thinking, I never want to do that again. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, God, I don't want to do that again. I don't, I don't think I want to do this. And he's like, makes me wonder who worship is about. And it was just, it was actually really comforting for me. It was strong, but it was comforting in realizing I don't have to, like looking at me and my performance. This isn't a spectator sport. It's mm-hmm. not a performance. I'm not here to please people. I'm not here to get raw from the crowd. No. We get to, in my best for God is good enough. And I think that has been my biggest journey, that um, being okay, that a pure heart and giving my best mm-hmm. is what he wants. Mm-hmm. That that still perplexes me sometimes, that he, uh, such a holy, righteous king 
would find delight, not just satisfaction. He finds delight mm. in a pure heart and a and just a yes. And if we can, as worship leaders, if we can get ourselves into a place where we're almost forgetting the crowd, we're not even seeing the crowd. It's just me and God. I mean, that's the pure holy moment right there. Yeah, I think when we think about the crowd, we begin to move in the fear of man. We start. Yeah, or if you watch for the responses of the crowd, it's like that will never take you down a good path. No. And I think that's the, I think, I feel like that's, like there's this whole move happening in worship right now where people like, we've got all the gizmos and gadgets that can make mm. things sound beautiful and and powerful. But I, I think at the end of the day, if the power of God, if the presence of God isn't ushered into a room, then then it's it's kind of empty. It lacks substance. And I, I'm always surprised by who God chooses to land on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other thing. It's like, he often finds those, you know, those broken vessels, mm-hmm. all those, you know, so often we think, you know, God wants to fill our strength, but he says it's that in his weakness, his, in our weakness, his mm-hmm. power is made perfect. And I think it's really important as worshipers and worship leaders to remember he's actually just looking for us, for our, like, and he's happy to fill our weakness. He desires mm-hmm. to, and um, I, I'm like over and over again, the Bible shows this, but I think that's where we can get caught up in our heads. Yeah. Speaking of weaknesses, I remember for years, well, in Weaverville and then even coming to Bethel, I always led worship behind a piano, you know, playing keys. And that's not my strong suit. You know, instruments, I play violin and keyboard, but they're not my strong suit. And I'm not super proficient like most of these kids are these days. And I felt like it was kind of hindering me and keeping me. It was like a stumbling block because I was having to think about what I was playing and and where I was going, where the Holy Spirit was taking us and the congregation. And it seemed like I had all these distractions that I was dealing with Sunday after Mm -hmm. Sunday. And I remember telling Brian one time, I said, I'm, I'm not going to play my keyboard. I'm just going to lead worship, which was another challenge in itself because now you don't have your crutch totally your instrument in front of you. You're depending upon, you know, a whole team of people to uh, pull this off and, but I remember that was the most one of the most freeing things for me is stepping away from my instrument, not being able to hide behind it. But then on the other side, not having to worry about what I'm playing or reading the music and worship. And it just totally set me free. It was kind of interesting because I after that, probably in the next month, somebody else got off their instrument and just started leading. And then it was kind of trickled down. Yeah. But it it um, was really freeing, and so knowing what your weaknesses are, and yeah. getting a team around to support you and their strength is really important. Yeah, I think a lot. I think like that takes courage. It does. Yeah, I think that people are really scared of being demoted or seen as weak, and I think actually though it ends up you getting you get respect for oh, yeah. being courageous. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And more important, you create a landing place for God. And that's the number one. Yeah. Have you seen, how have you seen worship change or affect the lives of our students? I mean, you've been around for a long time. You were a student for three years. Yeah. And then now um, you've seen that progression in worship and you're, you know, you're online now, but you've been in person with, you know, second year for years. So how, how do you feel like worship has changed with our students? Um, you know, it's always interesting seeing our students kind of come in 
and unsure of what their expression looks like. Beautiful. And then you see some that, um, you know, they're uncomfortable even with ministering to the Lord. They're comfortable with ministering to people. And it's very interesting to watch different people kind of come in. But as a class develops and grows, I think they begin to realize like it is unto God. And I think a lot of times we as people, we're always thinking of the outcome. Mm. Um, you know, seek mm. first the kingdom and all these things will be added. I think mm. often we think all these things will be added, so I'm going to seek the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But that's backwards. And I've watched as, and, you know, this is a, a core value that, you know, I think probably came from Earl, Bill's dad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that Earl and then Bill and you and a, and Brian and a few p- people in our house have created this this um, core value that like one that we worship, we we worship for a long time. Mm-hmm. School sets are often an hour. Yeah. Sometimes even more. Um, and yeah. that's like that will push you into like all the places that you you feel like, you know, you'll you'll worship for 30 minutes and you'll be, you gave all your passion away. And then mm-hmm. what do you have left? And I've just watched worship just transform the lives of our students as they recognize beholding God really does change them. And I think a lot of us are trying to change ourselves, but actually it's often in those places of worship as we behold God, as we look to him, we get transformed and we really get to experience that when we seek him first, everything else comes Mm -hmm. with that. Um, You watch people get unlocked in passion. People feel like they can let go of their inhibitions Um, where worship becomes like a David moment. I'll become even more undignified. It's no longer about the person beside me, but um, I'm going to give everything and, you know, we we prioritize worship in our school. We yes, pro- we feel we like do. it really. I mean, and I think it's prioritized in the Bible, um, but it it really it really recenters and refocuses um, what is the priority. Mm-hmm. And I think that that it's it's so important, and not just for us to worship corporately, but really important for us to be. And worship is where is our attention and our affection going? And mm-hmm. I see it powerfully happening in the corporate world, and hopefully trickling into our students' personal lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. How, without giving, you know, using names or, or un, you know, uncovering somebody, can you give a few examples of, like, students that have come in from day one and then left on day whatever and the transformation that's happened? Oh, I mean, to uh, them through worship. I'm trying to... Um, I feel like I have so many stories. Put you on a spot here. Not just like, I mean, just to start off without being super personal, people getting healed just in worship. Mm-hmm. No one's praying. No one's calling out words of knowledge. No one's, you know, laying hands on people just simply when the manifest presence of God is made known in a room. People just start getting healed and touched. But then I've watched over and over again, people who come in with the fear of man mm. in a worship moment, the Holy Spirit will kind of touch down on them and he will deal with that or um, people with addictions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no one comes to our school with an addiction thinking that they want to keep it. No. Nobody, like, you know, and I think sometimes in church we can think, you know, we can be critical of what's going on in people's lives, but no one that loves Jesus wants that in their life. No. They are literally stuck. Yeah. And I've watched people who are stuck, who have been stuck in cycles for their, like, since they were children. People, um, think of a student exposed to pornography um, before the age of 10. Mm. So they're in their 20s now. So they've been, exp- like, and stuck in a cycle doing their very best. And in a moment of, of worship, um, beholding God, lifting him up, God meets them. 
and undoes. God is so good. So, and he knows exactly what we need yeah. to come to that moment, a realization of who God is and not just who he is, but who he is in my life Yes, or in their life. Yeah, I know one of our grandkids had an experience like that. And God just knocked knocked them on their on the floor. Thought that they were out for a few minutes and it was hours. Yeah. Just being reformed and reworked and, and loved by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's really it, is the love of God. <clears throat> it's the thing that undoes us the most. I remember mm-hmm. once being in worship and I'm singing how much I love Jesus. And all of a sudden, I hear him sing it back to me. Oh, Like, I really love you. I love <laughs> you right now. And I just hear him go, singing back, I really love you. And I remember being offended. Like, God, I'm singing to you right now. He goes, oh, but I'm singing to you. And he is that Zephaniah 317 God that rejoices over us with singing and dancing. And there are those moments in worship where we lavishly giving ourselves to the Lord. And we can never outgive God. That reminds me of a time we were in, I can't remember, I think we were in Texas ministering at a church and we were in worship and it was this awesome time of worship and we were singing about God being beautiful and how beautiful he was and the Lord just looked at me and he said, ask me what I think is beautiful. And I said, okay, God, what what do you think is what's beautiful to you? And he said, being you till you're full, beautiful being you till you're full of everything that I've placed inside of you. Wow. So just being yourself and not trying to be somebody else, but just being you until you're completely filled up with everything that I've placed inside of Mm -hmm. you. And it was just like one of those moments in worship was I was totally undone and like, oh my gosh, you know, Mm -hmm. God just wants our heart, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it is, no matter what place we're in, what, no, no, doesn't matter what circumstance we are whether we've known the Lord for a long time or a short period of time, or if we don't even know the Lord, you know, he yeah. just wants us to come to him with open hands and open heart yes. and just reach out to him and say, God, I love you. Yeah. And that's what he thinks is beautiful. Yeah. It's just so interesting to think that if God, God could choose anywhere that he wants to live and he chooses to dwell in us. Isn't that crazy? You know, I think often I, I would look in a sanctuary and say, God, fill this place where God's like, he doesn't want to fill a room. He wants to f- fill a people. Yeah. He wants to rest upon a people. That's yeah. why he fills a room, so he can rest upon us. It's interesting. I've been looking at these pictures of these creatures that God's created from the in the water. And, I mean, things that man, man are still discovering that they've never seen before. Yeah. And I think, gosh, so many things are so absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. But yet God didn't choose to live in a fish. He chose to live in you and me. Yep. And us. Little clay jars. <laughs> Second Corinthians, he puts himself in little clay jars. Yeah. So in um one more question I wanted to ask you is you have three kids. Yes. Oh. And how do you how do you teach them about worship? Yeah. I mean, three. I know there's a lot of people out there that have little kids and they're like, don't know what to do. How do how do I prep my kids right now for worship? Yeah, I've got it right and I've got it wrong. I'll tell you that much. I think you. <laughs> I think we all have. I think we have to put the goal as discovery instead of perfection. Exactly. Because with children, it just depends on the day. I remember one day, this is where I got it wrong. One day, it was a Sunday, it was during COVID. 
And so no one's meeting in, you know, lockdown. No one's meeting in church. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do a worship time at home. And my, he was five then, he's now six, Aiden, my oldest. He's just the whole time we're trying to, my husband's on the guitar singing and um, I'm pregnant and uh, we, my um, daughter's in there and my five-year-old's just shouting the whole time, get to the big pot, get to the big pot. When's the big pot? He just wants <laughs> us to hit the bridge as loud as we can. And obviously it's not very, like, that's not the picture of worship I had in that moment. <laughs> And I kept trying to get to the big part and I kept trying to like stay really serious and focused. And then my husband was not being serious because uh-huh. it was ridiculous. And then I rebuked my husband because I felt like he wasn't into it enough. And you can only imagine that just squashed all the feeling of we're enjoying this. Where's the joy? Oh, there's no joy. Zero <laughs> joy. Just lots of responsibility that mom was feeling. Um, and I've learned, I've learned with children that an atmosphere is the most important, an atmosphere of joy and play is the most important thing. And I do, we do talk sometimes like, hey, we're, we're going to actually take a moment to to pray and we're going to respect this moment. So we do have moments of respect, mm-hmm. but those are small moments. Um, and so whether we worship with, you know, listening on our Amazon Alexa to worship music and whether we're jumping on the furniture or I, I really try to let worship be fun and just an expression. Mm-hmm. But we have had some really profound God moments in the middle of, really real family moments mm-hmm. as I've let go what I think it needs to look like mm-hmm. and I've let my children have their plastic guitars or their pretend microphones and um just kind of you know if if we're not having fun when we're with God children probably don't want to do it mm-hmm. and um I kind of think of two moments one was um in a time where the Lord is radically encountering me we were doing worship nights here nearly every night right before lockdown and my son would bring a backpack full of about 40 transformer toys. And he would just sit mm-hmm. um, at my feet or my mom who was visiting in town. He'd sit at our feet and he would just transform the whole time. And I never said, Aiden, you need to worship. Aiden, he was five. I was just like, he just transformed his mm-hmm. toys. But every time we'd try to take him home, like it's nine o'clock, it's past your bedtime, he would ask to stay. Wow. And there was many nights where he was where he was with us till 11 mm-hmm. o'clock at night. And I just wow. trusted that that he wanted to stay. So I didn't, mm-hmm. and I would hear him singing the songs that we mm-hmm. were singing at home, but I, he never sung them. He was just transforming his transformers. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, uh, these nights progressed. He would be transforming. All of a sudden he'd look up and he'd stand up and he'd start jumping and cheering. And, um, and so that was really profound. And then I watched the prophetic gift on his life just start expanding after these nights of just being in the presence, playing with his toys and then another moment in our house, I was, uh, I was, I had a rough day. I'd had a long day, leadership, lots of leadership moments that I was, you know, you do your best. Exhausted. Very tired. And I've seldom come home with nothing to offer my family. I really work hard to protect that. But that day my tank was empty mm-hmm. and I knew I hadn't done a good job stewarding, but I know God's gracious. Mm-hmm. And so we did a family worship time because I didn't tell them this, but mom needed it. Mm-hmm. So I sat down at the piano and my little girl's got a plastic microphone and and we're just worshiping. And my three and a half year old with Down syndrome grabs my hand and pulls me off the piano. And I looked at Ryan and she's very, like, she's very connected to the Holy Spirit. And so Ryan's noticing. So he starts finding worship music on YouTube quickly on the TV. And my daughter takes me over to the carpet. She pulls my hand down puts me on my knees and then takes my head, the back of her hand to my head and pushes my head into the rug. Oh. 
And I'm there with my hands out in front of me, my face down. And she puts her hands on me. She can't speak. She's got some words. And she starts speaking what sounds like tongues, just like unintelligible language. And just starts in fire and passion, starts praying for me. And all my kids, my my oldest son grabs my head. My 10-month-old's got his hand on my back. My husband joins. And I'm like, all these moments where we've dealt with get to the big part, get to the big part, or worship didn't go. And we, we tried to worship and it lasted for 10 minutes and it turned into something else. Yeah. Or the moments where I brought my kids into church and I wasn't sure if it meant anything to them. All of a sudden, it's like in one moment I'm seeing fruit. Of, the manifest presence of God was just being blossomed in front of you. Yeah. And so I think my biggest encouragement to anyone listening is, is to not be afraid to bring your children into adult moments in yeah. worship that you think maybe are above their kind of knowledge or understanding because their spirit is catching oh, they do. They so catch much. so much. All, all of our kids grew up on the church you know, floor. We never, they were always with us, whether that was good or bad. That's just how it was. And they caught yeah. so much. So Haley, thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate it. And your just love for the Holy Spirit and for Jesus is just so contagious. And thank you. Guys. I just want to thank you again. I love you. Thanks so much for having me. So thanks everybody for once again joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye.